This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And uh, Frank Proctor, the sous chef of the garden, saying... Happy New Year. And to you, too. Yeah, it was only last year we we were together Sitting in the studio. Here. I right. know. My gosh, it, it seems almost a week ago. <laughs> Just yeah. like almost uh, yesterday. Yeah. And then there's James Patrick Dooley. He hasn't uh, aged through a the year glass, at all. Through the looking glass. Yes. We're seeing James Patrick. He handles all of the calls that you'll be making mm-hmm. to these particular numbers, my friends, to reach Charlie on The Garden Show, okay? 416 416- Three six zero zero seven forty, and then anywhere else in the province, toll free one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. And of course, our mantra is: call early, call often. Aha! But one question per call, right? <laughs> yeah. You can always call back, but one question per call. Yeah. And here's a little bell that you'll hear if you're a first-time caller. You gotta let us know that, though. That's right. Okay. Yeah. And and you get butterfly wings. Exactly. That's yes. what the bell is all is about. Yes. Butterfly wings. Butterfly I like that. Yes. yes. Alrighty. Okay. And good good New Year's, uh, Charlie. Yes. Thank you very party? much. Yeah. Um, yep. Nice and close to home. Yeah. Walked to our party. You know, slid. Oh, oh that's slid yeah. Down, slid to your party. I slid on the ice down to the party uh, right on my street. So it's very nice when you can just oh, keep great. it simple. And yeah. And I was saying to you earlier, you know, get together with the neighbors who we often don't see in the winter. Yeah. Yeah. You know the way you do in the summer. Well, sure. In the summer, you're out chitter-chattering and having a beer and, you know, whatever, <laughs> yeah. going to each other's houses for barbecues. In the winter, not so much. It's kind of hunkered Shoveling down. and getting back in the yeah, house. Yeah, you know, everything hood <laughs> down. I don't want to look at anybody. I don't want to engage. But with the kind of winter we've had with all this ice and yeah. branch damage and tree damage, yeah, we've been out there chatting with the neighbors quite a bit. But <laughs> certainly the New Year's party is a, always a nice time to just... You know, touch base. Yeah, right. Oh, that's good. That's and you? Good. What'd you do? Yeah, actually, we had a terrific New Year's. Our uh, youngest son, who lives one floor above us mm-hmm. in our apartment building, uh, he and three grandchildren came down along with Katie, that's his wife, uh, her mom, mm-hmm. and uh, we had a wonderful time. Yeah. Had a lobster uh, dinner, Ooh. and well, uh, Katie and um, and Elaine, uh, the mom, they don't like. Uh, of lobster. lobster. So they had steak. Oh. Hey, Oof. so not a bad How trade-off. How hard is that, really? Not a bad trade-off wow. at all. Yeah. That's quite And good. We, we toasted in the new year. and All the, the girls stayed awake, did they? They did. Right through, <laughs> gosh, 20 to 1 when they went home. They were they were all fine. They didn't misbehave. You know, I thought they were going to go rangy. Yeah, yeah. No. Lose it. No. no, no. And I read them my little story, the Christmas, oh, you know, you the, the day the Welling Canal monster met. Yeah. So the two-and-a-half, almost three-year-old... Um, uh, oh God! No, I'm no, I'm blanking on a child. <laughs> uh, my uh, Ellie. Ellie, Ellie, yeah. <laughs> she she could care less, right. you know. <laughs> she was off to uh, yeah, let them blather on, you know. <laughs> but the six year old oh, oh, boy, she was really into it, really yeah. engaged. So, yeah, it was really great fun. That's nice, and yeah. that's a great story that you wrote. You are a famous uh, yeah. published author. Well, I am. 
I am a famous, famous, famous author. Famous published author. We all like right. That. Well, now, that, that, all that being said, uh, uh, this is The Garden Show. Yes, yeah, speaking yeah. of which, I do have a few announcements. Okay. I did mention last week that everybody should be marking on their calendars, if you live in the Burlington area, the Burlington Horticultural Society's general meeting coming mm-hmm. up this Wednesday, January the 8th, 7.30 p.m. Of course, they meet at the Burlington Senior Center, 2285 New Street. Um, the topic is a floral safari, so that's going to be a nice break from all this winter weather we've been getting. Uh, and it is a photographic tour through South Africa of some of the incredible botanical mm-hmm. gardens, obviously, and gardens that Elizabeth Schlaker uh, visited. The other ongoing meetings include next Sunday, January the 12th, the Ontario Rock Garden and Hardy Plant Society. They do meet at the Toronto Botanical Gardens, which is 777 Lawrence Avenue East at Leslie. Free admission, of course, free parking. Non-members are always welcome at any of these meetings. So if you're, you know, you need a little break Mm. from some of the snow and the ice and the... Crazy. Today's windy. So, you know, you want to go talk gardening. You want to meet fellow gardeners. A lot of these um, meetings are great opportunities for just that. Um, And the Agent Court Garden Club even mentioned that in their announcement when they sent it in. They're holding their annual meeting on Monday, January 13th. It's at 8 p.m. The speakers are Diane and Gary Westlake, who are a couple of well-known master gardeners from the Peterborough area. Mm-hmm. The, the Agent Court Garden Club meets at the Knox United Christian Education Center, which is on Midland Avenue, 2575 Midland Avenue, just north of Shepherd. Now, the, the Agent Court Garden Club, similar, like I say, to so many of these Hort society, societies, their purpose is all about supporting those who have an interest in or may have a curiosity to learn more about horticulture. Okay. Yeah, friendly folks. Yeah, exactly. Exchange ideas, beautify your local community, meet like-minded folks, have a lot of fun, eat some great food because there's always lots of great refreshments at these meetings, free parking typically as well. So great opportunity to get out and, and you know, make new friends. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's good. Right. And my friends, you can meet us uh, right well. In a moment. <laughs> In a moment. We have to take a short break here. We'll be back to talk to Eve and Mississauga right after these words on The Garden Show from AM740 Zoomer Radio. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM740. And Frank Proctor bidding welcome to Eve calling in from Mississauga. Good day, Eve. Hi, good morning. Good morning. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Yeah, welcome to the I show. I have an amaryllis that I was given for New Year's. Mm-hmm. Can, can I start watering it now or is it too late? Oh, it's uh, just you were given a bulb? A bulb, yes. Have you planted it? Mm-hmm. Okay, so good idea. Definitely have it planted up as soon as you can. Make sure that when you plant it, have you, you didn't like bury the bulb, did you? You've got a good half of the bulb sticking up out of the soil. Okay. Okay, that's very important. Uh, and put it in a pot that's not super big. You actually want the amaryllis to almost just fit into the pot. They like to be quite tight in their pots. But, you know, good potting soil, half the bulb sticking out the top. Of course, that's the pointy end up. And one thorough watering upon that moment of planting in a nice sunny windowsill, bright as you, the brightest spot you can come up with, and let it sit there. I, you, typically, we don't water again until we start to see some growth, and you should start to see some growth pretty quickly. Uh, how long will it take to bloom? 
once you start to see the first little poking through of a little green, it's usually the flower stem that pokes out first. From the moment that starts to show, depending on the, the um, size of the bulb and also the temperatures of the, your home, it can be anywhere from a week to two weeks. Oh. So it's pretty quick. And oh, that's what we love. Very much. We love about amaryllis because they are so easy to grow and they grow so quickly that they're they're just an exciting plant to have because you whether you see the results uh, yeah, really like quickly with yeah. kids with you know anybody who's a homebound person who can't mm-hmm. get out and you know it's just something really fun to watch it's like watching the birds coming to the bird feeders watching your amaryllis grow i mean it's just that active and that quick and, and energetic it's, it's and i can keep it in my solarium yes indeed Thank you very much. Thanks for okay, your call. Okay, thank you, Eve. That leaves a line open here at 416-360-0740. And then anywhere else in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Now, before we get to our next caller, I want you to tell the folks about your your homeless cat, <laughs> who actually isn't homeless. He's got a condo outside <laughs> Charlie's house. This is just a riot. Well, this is a... Uh, cat who we actually didn't realize was homeless for a while and then once we did realize it didn't have a home this is my daughter and I back uh, sort of late last summer we realized that we had to step up and and do something for this cat so we tried trapping it because it's a boy cat that hasn't been neutered and is very afraid of people so we tried to trap it so we could get it neutered and just you know make sure he's healthy and get him vaccinated and because he's hanging out with all the other neighborhood cats and he's very sweet and they're all boys they're all boys (laughs) They yeah. all hang out together, and uh, but but he he's way too smart to be trapped because you know there, you you get this trap and you put your food in at the end. Well, I caught every neighborhood cat, including my own, several times. But this little homeless guy, he's just looking at these bozo, you know, fat house cats. They go walking into the trap. Of course, it slams shut behind them. They eat the bowl of food, and then they turn around and go, "Hey, what's going on? Let me out!" And so he's going, "I am not stupid. I am not walking in there." So as a result, we never trapped him. You know, months go by. Well, the weather started getting so cold. I did. I built him like a little waterproof, windproof shelter. And it's only open on the south side, which faces my, my back doors. Well, it got so cold this past week. Oh, yeah. I was, you know, I just was not feeling good about that north wind. I mean, he's, it's not a really insulated house that I built him. It's got, you know, some felt blankets and some wool blankets and, and a, like I say, a waterproof. But still, just not. Yeah. You know, when it's 30 below, that's just intense. So I thought, okay, I've got bags of leaves. <laughs> so I, I broke them out of the ice, you know, yeah. they're, they're in the drifts of ice there. Broke the bags of leaves out banged them up against the north side of his house. So he's got this, like, leaf insulation, which, t- uh, trust me. Well, that's me, pretty good, It yeah. looks pretty pretty crazy. Then there's a big blanket over that just to hold, because the leaves are holding air, and, of course, the blanket's going to help hold the air. Then I thought, well, th- this needs even more. So then I dug the wheelbarrow out of the ice, and I tilted the wheelbarrow up against the bags of leaves and all To these hold everything blan- in place. Exactly. Yeah. So, so you've got a condo, a cat it, condo. It looks a bit like a, tra- like a really trashy trailer park. <laughs> <laughs> She's a slum landlord, folks. I, I know. I'm telling you. <laughs> and it was so cold that the other you know house cats in the neighborhood finally came out yesterday, and they're all walking around looking at this, going, "What is going on what now?" The heck is and that? they're poking their heads in, going, "Is there like is there more rooms in here now? Is there, like can can I?" Step? And this and this little guy is quite happy. Yeah, he's got a nice heated pad. Like he sleeps on this heated pad that goes into the microwave. Yeah. Right? 
And so of course, you about every feed him. five hours, I've been heating up his little pad there. And yes, he does get fed well. He certainly enjoyed all the scraps off the 21 pound turkey carcass we had at Christmas. Geez, look at James's. He, he's about, I want to move in. I know, it's, it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> but well, he, he's got a whole little routine worked out, you know. Well, it's just, isn't that cool? You know, you open the door, he'll step in the back door, yeah. and he'll have his little food just inside. But you gotta leave the door open, huh? Uh, yeah, I can't close the door. He goes ballistic. He's, he's gotta have access to the outside. Wow. And while he's eating, his little bed is warming up, and then, you know, it's it's really cute. He's, well, that's gonna, pretty darn cool. And, Good uh, for he's you, happy. Charlie. He's looking pretty good considering how cold it's been, and now we got a big snowfall coming. So. Well, yes, I understand. And then the question in my mind is, is the Army coming to bail us out again? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. That's up in the air at the moment. Uh, we're going to be back to more callers here. Rosa in Milton is uh, waiting. Oh, and she's a first-time caller. Oh, the bell. bell. i got to get my bell handy. Back right. after these words from AM740, The Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And the sous chef of The Garden Show, Frank Proctor, saying good morning to Rosa in Milton. And, oh, Rosa, welcome to the show, first time caller. Thank you. You're welcome. Good morning, Rosa. Good morning to you, too. Good morning. Morning and welcome. And what's your question? Um, I have oleander uh, trees, plants, whatever you like to say, and we had them outside, right? Mm -hmm. And we brought them all in, and now they're flowering. Nice. Uh, Number one. And number two, is that all right? And number three, a lot of them seem to be having pods, or I don't know how you would call (laughs) them. They're not flowers. They're just like... um, Those are seeds. Those are the fruit. So what do I do with them? Do we take them off it? Well, they'll eventually shrivel up and fall off, uh, which, of course, you could then start more oleander plants from the seeds that are inside the pods. But usually what we do is when a plant is finished flowering, rather than letting those pods grow, we just cut off the the flowers that are finished prior to those pods actually being formed. So those are from the flowers that we have not cut off? That's right. But I see many of them falling. Who, the flowers? The, the flowers. I see them like shriveling up and then they fall down. Right. So, but keep in mind what you're seeing falling are the petals of the flowers, which is completely normal. Once the flower is finished, the yeah. petals drop. Right. But what stays behind is the fruit. Um, a good oh. example would be you don't want to, if you ever have a rose bush growing outside, and when yes. the rose finishes flowering, the petals will all fall off and it leaves behind what looks like almost um, a round ball on the where the flower was, which mm-hmm. gets bigger and bigger and bigger almost looks like a like a berry of some kind it's actually a hip it's called a rose hip and that's the fruit and inside that little hip are seeds so in the case of an oleander they're actually pod they they are they're just like pods and inside again there are seeds so So just that was you would you leave them there if it was me i would cut off the flowers as soon as all those little petals start to drop i would remove the flower the whole flower structure uh, at that time back to the nearest leaf and that way the plant will not put a lot of energy into making seeds that you don't really want unless okay. you and number want them. two it's all right that they are flowering now my husband said if they're flowering now they won't flower in the summer 
Not necessarily. The reason they're flowering now is because it often happens with our tropical plants. We put them out all summer and we look after them, we water and we fertilize. Then when we bring them in, they actually start to get a little bit stressed by the darkness in our house and the dryness of the air and they pop all kinds of flowers out just because they're under a certain amount of duress. So enjoy the flowers. Uh, Yes, we are. Don't be concerned that it won't flower, that they won't flower again next summer. Just keep doing what you're doing. Lots of sun. Don't overwater. Um, fertilize when flowering, once a month. Uh, oh, that we're not doing. So that you could do. Yeah, you could be fertilizing once a month now. Remove the flowers, as we said, once they're finished. And just okay. as a side note, keep in mind that every single part of an oleander is very poisonous. So you do not want to have pets or small children or anybody chewing on your oleander plants. That's the one thing. And I only have one more question then. Um, You know what? I'm sorry, my love. We have to stick to our rule of one question per call, but you can can call back. Okay, okay? thank you. That's only being fair to our our next caller. As a matter of fact, who is... Thank you very much, Rosa. Thank you very much. Yeah, call us back. Bye-bye. All righty. Richard in Fort Erie, another... First time caller, welcome to the show, Richard. Good morning, how are you? Yeah, good, thank you. Morning, Richard. Good morning. Yeah, I have a question. Uh, we got a, this hibiscus from the Niagara Falls greenhouse. Mm-hmm. In its uh, colloquial name is Japanese, but they wrote on here, Shiza Petalis. Uh-huh. And uh, it's grown to about uh, three feet in height, but it refuses to flower. Okay, but I think what you have... Tell me about... Um, it's about three feet in height. See, there's so many kinds of hibiscus. There's Rose of Sharon, which is a shrub. No, it's not. And, yeah, and is hardy, and we just leave them outside. There's herbaceous perennial uh, hibiscus, which I think is what you might have. And then there's tropical hibiscus. So it's tropical. It is, yeah, it is for sure, eh? Is it, what, yeah. But no flowers. So tell me what do the leaves look like? Uh, they're oblong and they're quite shiny. Okay, yeah, all right. And how ta- how big is the plant? Right now, it's about three feet in height. And when did you get it? It's uh, over two years ago now. Oh, and it's never flowered. No. And where have you got it located? Well, sitting in the corner of our kitchen now, and it's got a little bit of light coming in from from the west. Mm-hmm. But in summertime, we have it uh, sitting outside, and it doesn't do much difference. Yes, which is good. You want to have... Well, this is a plant that wants lots and lots of sun. The more sun, the better. Uh, okay, you're absolutely right. It is tropical. Yeah, I've just actually done a quick Google here on it. Yeah, it is. Schizopetalis is an actual variety of hibiscus. It's quite gorgeous, actually. Uh, Japanese... Hmm. Uh, it's a tender plant, cannot survive winter. Sorry, I'm just learning about this as we go. <laughs> and um, this is from the Wisconsin Master Gardeners. Yeah, it's an interesting-looking flower. Oh, yeah. I wonder, have you seen it flower? Was it flowering when you got it from the uh, Niagara greenhouses? Oh, for us, never. But the flower in the uh, greenhouse there, was uh, the plant was about 20-some feet high and was in full flower. Wow. All right. And the, the flower looks uh, quite different from regular hibiscus. Mm-hmm. It uh, elongated. Yes, exactly. And it's tilted. It looks, in the photos I'm looking at, it also known as a fringed hibiscus or skeleton hibiscus because it does almost grow upside down. Outward-facing flowers, but they're lacy and unusual. 
pendant mm. flowers dangle from slim, arching stems in the tropics. It's an evergreen perennial, of course. Can be grown as a house plant or seasonal annual. Now, uh, unless there's anything different about this plant, typically hibiscus, uh, and I'll quickly check, <clears throat> but I'll let, you, I'll let you know that for a hibiscus to be happy, it wants as high of humidity as you can provide. And that might mean providing a pebble tray below or having a humidifier. You mentioned it's in the kitchen, which is great because kitchens tend to be more humid than the rest of the house. They do not want any kind of drafts, hot or cold. Um, Regular room temperature is fine. The trick to getting them to flower is don't water too often. Whatever you do, do not keep this plant consistently moist. Water thoroughly. Let the water come out the drainage holes in the bottom of the pot. Let the plant sit in that water for 10 to 15 minutes. If there's any excess, dump it out of the tray. After that, it's just a matter of letting it dry down quite thoroughly between waterings. To the point, those shiny leaves stop being shiny. They lose their shine. They'll even droop a bit. That tells you this plant is dry. Again, now it's time to water thoroughly. And I find that that kind of extreme watering will often cause it to start flowering. Does it need fertilizer of any kind? We only fertilize when the plant is actively growing. So, of course, your active growth period typically starts around March, runs right through the spring and summer. So that is when you would, be, you would fertilize with a flowering plant fertilizer. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we were just wondering uh, what, what it would need. Yeah. But, uh, Have you ever pruned it at all? No. Probably not if it's three feet tall. And is it a, sing- is it a single stem or is it a bushy plant? Right now it's a little bush. Okay, but big bush by the sounds of it. That's a fair yeah. size bush. So, um, yeah, I um, if you like look closely at it in about a month, and if you don't see any evidence of any buds forming on the tips, that's when I would do some pruning because recognize that if you do get it to flower, it's going to be like four feet tall, and you're not going to want to start pruning it then. Yeah. So you may want to consider. I always trim, do quite hard pruning on hibiscus late in the winter, early in the spring, and that way when it does flower, it might even be August or September by the time it flowers, but of course the plant is a, a reasonable size. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we've got, uh, you were asking about the other uh, hibiscus. We have uh, Rose of Sharon. It's a huge bush in the backyard. Outside, yeah. And we've got two different kinds of uh, hibiscus as well. One we got from a lady in Niagara-on-the-Lake. Uh-huh. And the flower on that one is almost like the Maltese cross, yeah. but has one too many petals. Oh, uh, neat. Yeah, and it changes from a really dark red to a pink to... Almost white. Um, I don't know. Like, I'm not good in colors here. Yeah. But uh, from the same bush. Yeah, they, and they, they fade. They come out really dark, and then they fade over a couple of days. But and the other hibiscus flowers. Uh, has a flower the size about six inches across. Yeah, yeah. Very nice. Oh, and, good for you. But it also comes right from the roots every spring. Right. Yeah, the root stays alive. That's a herbaceous perennial. If there's okay. anything you can do to up the light levels on your indoor hibiscus, you would also uh, facilitate uh, flower bud formation. Okay. So even if that means getting a little grow light to suspend above it or, you know, have on a, you know, a, a kind of a light, a, a, a floor lamp or something like that, that would help as well because hibiscus like as bright light as you can possibly come up with. Yeah, we're sitting in the greenhouse actually. It's uh, getting indirect light only. Uh, Back in Niagara, you mean? 
Yes. Right. It's getting indirect, but it's also got a whole bunch of other things going on, like high humidity. That's very hard to produce in our homes without <laughs> condensation dripping down the walls. <laughs> yeah. No, that's not good for the house. <laughs> no, not at all. So, yeah, if you can bump the light levels, that would be good. Okay. Well, listen, thanks so much. All right. Thanks Thank so you, much Richard. for your call, Happy Richard. Happy New Year. And you and too. same to you. And call again, for heaven's sake. Yes. Yeah, that's interesting. He's clearly, him and his wife are clearly quite the... Uh, the uh, gardeners. Absolutely. Well, that's what this show is all about, talking to the gardeners. And <laughs> well, well, what do you think? That. Hello. Can I, I just want to, <laughs> speaking of gardeners, remember yeah. we had the editor of the Farmer's Almanac here on the show? Yes, right? yes. Uh, okay, so I just wanted to, with all this crazy weather, mm. I just wanted to check my almanac. Yeah. I want to see how accurate this is. Yeah. Well said. So here's what the almanac said for December, late December. It's interesting. So there was supposed to be Periods of rain and snow in the east, snow in the west, mild temperatures on the 18th and 19th of December. However, then it was sunny and very cold from the 20th to 29th. Then it was heavy rain and snow, then flurries and very cold with more snow the 30th and 31st. So not that far off. I mean, it talks about rain. I mean, we had, you know, freezing rain. For early January... Of course, it's kind of interesting. It says that it's, the temperatures are going to be a little bit above average. Uh, precipitation is expected between the first and third snowy periods. Cold weather, which we've, yeah. we've had. And of course, it just says cold. doesn't say how cold. The, between the fourth and eighth, flurries and cold. Well, of course, exactly what have we got coming? Hello. Yeah. Big snowstorm. And cold. And, and cold. Yeah. And the synopsis, of course, was interesting, too. It just says that um, for southern Ontario, December, late December, early and late January, and then early to mid-February are going to be the coldest periods. Precipitation above normal in the east and below normal in the west, the west being, you know, Thunder Bay yeah, kind yeah. of west. Snowfall below normal in the east and much greater than normal in the west, which I think is true. They've been getting a ton of snow. Oh, my gosh. Out there. Yeah. The snowiest periods will be in early to mid-December, late December, early January, and then mid-January. We ain't so, seen nothing yet. No, uh, no, I don't think so. I'm afraid to say. Okay, well... Better watch out. I'm going to have cats lined up. You know, move into my, the condo. My eye drifted from your lovely face really? to, to the monitor in the studio here, and I see a name showing up from Brantford and a first time caller at that. <laughs> Janet, welcome to the show. Hi there. Good morning. Hey, good morning. Enjoy your show immensely. Thank you. But you left me hanging. Oh, why? Well, <laughs> it's regarding the amaryllis. Mm. I have. Uh, a Minerva amaryllis, mm, nice. which is lovely. Yeah, but uh, and I can't hear you very well right now. But in the meantime, it's fla- it's going to flower and it's going to do as you said. But what happens when it dies off? What am I supposed to do? Hmm. When the flowers are finished, yeah, you will get out your sharp little scissors or pruners and you'll remove the flower that's at the top of a big green stem. Just cut it off once all the petals have dried and fallen off. You'll have that green stem standing there. It's, it's hollow, but it is green just like the leaves that will be emerging from the bulb along the same process. You want to maximize the green growth coming out of your amaryllis bulb sitting in that sunny window because, of course, what's happening is the green leaves and the green stems are absorbing sunlight converting that sunlight into carbohydrates, storing the carbohydrates back into the bulb, so fattening the bulb up again so that it will be ready to go 
after it's gone through this fattening process, then it has a dormant process, and then it's ready to go to flower again a year from now. A year from now. Mm-hmm. I have a bit of a situation, though. Here, I had it in the window. Mm-hmm. It, it grew really well when we had the sun, and I think it got a chill because I've had to prop up the stem because it flopped over. Um, I, there's a bit of a brown spot, mm-hmm. and I'm worried that... But it's going to flower. The flower is coming, so I'm I'm sort of babying this amaryllis, hoping that it doesn't c- totally collapse on me. You know what I would do? Because you're right. I mean, the flowers sometimes are huge. And as you point out, uh, they can fall over. They can, the whole plant can get knocked over by these big, tall, top-heavy flowers. But they, the, the thing we don't always realize is that the flower of an amaryllis lasts longer as a cut flower than it does in, attached to the bulb. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. Oh. So my impulse would be for you to get your sharp little pruners out right now, oh, oh, oh. cut that flower off just above that brown spot you referred to, yeah. get it into a, a small a vase of whatever is of an appropriate size, and enjoy the flower. It will carry on and be beautiful, and you won't have that issue of having to prop the whole thing up. Okay, so just uh, when I do that, and then just carry on maintaining... Yes, the bulb the bulb uh, water periodically? Or? Exactly. Feel the soil. It's, mm-hmm. Remember, it's a bulb, and we, it's easy to rot bulbs no. if the bulb sits in soggy soil. So we don't ever water a bulb in a pot unless the soil feels quite dry to the touch. So I could wait a month or so. Oh, it might be more often than a month or so. just depends on the temperature of the room mm-hmm. and the amount of soil that's mm-hmm. in the pot, you know, how long the moisture will you maintain. Do it by touch and feel. You really sort of do. Thing, right? That's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. don't ever be afraid to stick your finger right in. <laughs> uh, if you, that bothers you, there are little gizmos called moisture meters. Yeah. It's a little probe yeah. you can stick into the soil, and it'll tell you what the, the moisture level is down below the surface. Okay. Okay. All righty. I'll have to call you back. I've got one about an orchid. Okay, Good great. For you. <laughs> Give us a call back. We'll, we'll look forward to that, Janet. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you very much. Yeah, the Garden Show here at AM 740. And uh, let's see, Patrick from Whitby is with us. Good morning, Patrick. Yes, a good morning. Uh, I called um, previously uh, on uh, a past show regarding um, my frozen tree out front Mm -hmm. uh, that uh, turned into what... uh, could be construed as uh, the sickest willow tree you've ever seen. Wow! Be- wow! Because of the ice. Yeah. Was it a wi- is it a weeping willow? No, it, it's not a weeping willow, it? but it, it looked. It like looked one like because, because of, of the ice. The, yeah. Because of all the ice that was all over it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to give you some feedback. Sure. The. Um, the, there was a day where, uh, two days where it was relatively warm, uh, mm-hmm. and were- I went out there with a broomstick and whacked away all the ice, and the tree has now responded by returning to oh, roughly about 90% of its former glory. My, that's good. Hey, that's good, yeah. They did bounce quite well, I found, all the trees well, as the ice came nothing, off. nothing broken. No, wow. None of the branches were broken or anything like that. It was just bent all the way down to the mm-hmm. ground and was like uh, 40 feet wide instead yeah. of being uh, yeah. 20 feet high. Yeah, yeah. That's but, good, though. Uh, it, it has it has come back. Um no pruning uh, necessary. However, if I were you, um, would this be a willow that you have for pussy willows in the spring? Is it that kind? No, it's not. It's not a willow tree. I oh, don't know what sorry. kind of tree sorry, it is. I thought it was. But it just 
it ended up looking right, like one right, like because a weeping. of all the ice. Yeah. yeah. So depending, of course, on what kind of tree it is and whether it flowers or has fruit and that sort of ornamental value, all of us need to be thinking about pruning all of our trees and shrubs this spring or summer just to bring the canopy in closer to the main stem to yeah. try and avoid the kind of issue we all saw with the heavy ice. Now, it could have been just heavy snow that would have done that same collapse to so many of the trees. And you're absolutely right, Patrick. Um, I remember you called last week and we were talking about whether these plants would stand back up. And it was very interesting, even in my neighborhood, to see all the birches once the ice melted. Uh, some of the plants in my yard stood up virtually just the way they had if the branches didn't break with the weight of the ice. So we We'll be trimming broken bits, and all of us need to be thinking about narrowing the canopies just to uh, uh, alleviate all that surface area for ice or heavy snow next year to pile up on. Oh, I'd most definitely agree with that. As a sidebar, um, that website that you mentioned about uh, arborists Mm -hmm. uh, doesn't have the ability to find an arborist in Canada. Oh, really? Uh, I I tried to look for one uh, for uh, in the Whitby area, and it uh, came up with uh, nothing found. So okay, so there, I gave there was two websites. One of them was triple W. ISA, which stands for the International Society of Arboriculture, so ISA Ontario. So one word, isaontario.com. That the other, it should, was the other site. Yeah, the other one is American, the treesaregood.org. Yeah, that's, that's the one that I found uh, okay. quickly. I, I yeah. couldn't remember it by the time I got to my computer. <laughs> I know that feeling. <laughs> so, all right, so forget the treesaregood.org, except it's got good tips on that uh, website. Yeah. But for, for a local arborist, certified arborist, isaontario.com. I will check that site, too, isaontario.com. That's it. Okay. Well, thank you very much. I just wanted to give yeah. you some feedback Thanks on that. Thanks for the well, update. That's great, Patrick. Appreciate thank you. it. You have a good day. And, and you Happy too. New Year. Thanks. Oh, the same to you. And Remember, it's yeah. interesting that Patrick's calling. Remember I gave you all those tips last week yeah, about yeah. how important it was to recognize that if you needed somebody to do mm-hmm. some work for you, make sure they're certified arborist. Well, what should happen last Saturday when I went home? Yeah. And I was actually doing what Patrick was doing. I had the broom out and I was like sweeping or trying to gently knock ice off of all my bent trees. And this truck drives up and this guy gets out and he goes, hi there, I'm an arborist. Do you want me to do some work for you? And I went, <laughs> oh, here we go. Here yeah, we yeah. go. You know, a man and a chainsaw. Yeah. So I go, so, so you're an arborist, are you? And he goes, yeah, I am. I go, a certified arborist? He goes, oh, yeah. I went, I don't. Give me your business card. We'll, we'll talk. So sure enough, I went. I looked him up. He was not a certified arborist. He was just, you know. Out there making a buck. Yeah, just yep. had his chainsaw. And some trees. Well, you know, who knows? Who knows what kind of work he would do? Yeah. But just n- never assume that... Uh, that Anybody somebody with a chainsaw knows, is an arborist. knows what yeah. they're doing. And also, there is a big call right Master now. Master Gardeners of Ontario, mm-hmm. you had given that a website as well as a place to find um, arborists, <clears throat> too, if Do I'm I? not mistaken. Uh, maybe McGoy, M-G-O-I. Yeah. McGoy, I think so. Master Gardeners of Ontario Incorporated is Anywho. a good website as well. Yeah, so just be careful of those people that call themselves arborists that aren't. Because you know what? Every single certified arborist in all of Canada could currently be employed right now oh, yeah. in the Toronto and GTA because they're so desperate for certified arborists 
getting to work to do the cleanup. Speaking of and getting the parks, to work. they're pretty worried about the parks. Oh yeah, I guess so. Well, you know, you yeah. go out, take your granddaughters yeah. to the park on a beautiful day in April, and all of a sudden limbs start dropping out of trees. You don't see that coming because they've been yeah. hanging there since yeah. uh, January. They need to be all cleaned all up. All cleaned up, yeah. Right. Uh, well, you know, I never thought about that part of it. Yeah, that's, the, yeah, that's yeah. the danger part of it. It's not just the, oh my gosh, what a mess. It's the fact that there's stuff hanging in these trees that... Is going will, to come down. It's going to come down eventually. Yeah. And the last thing you want to do is be anywhere near it when it comes down. Because yeah. it's fast. When, when limbs fall from trees, you don't have a lot of warning. Well, I'm going to lose a limb here if we don't get to a commercial <laughs> break. I'm getting, the, I'm getting the break sign from all James right. Patrick Dooley. Okay, I want to we'll, talk about... <laughs> <laughs> and we'll be able back to talk to Mary in Brampton after these words on the Garden Show from AM740. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, flocks, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And happy to say in this brand new year of 2014, yours truly, Franklin Proctor, along for the ride here is the sous chef. Of the garden saying hi. Yeah, you're the best. <laughs> well, I am, you know. <laughs> Mary in Brampton, welcome along to the show. Good morning and happy new year. Thank morning. You. Well, today's the day for amaryllis and hibiscus. It sounds like it. I planted my amaryllis just this morning, third season. Oh, neat. Good luck. Yeah. Okay, I'm calling about my hibiscus. Mm-hmm. This is the third season. <clears throat> last time I, I cut it back, I didn't have any blooms at all last summer. Mm-hmm. Brought the plant in and started blooming. Mm-hmm. I want to I want to prune it again, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure on how deep I should prune it. Is, it's not flowering now, is it, or is it well, still? I, I have buds on it. Okay, so what you what I would do if I was in your position is I would wait until all those buds are done. Uh, typically, it will continue to flower now through January and February. If by early to mid March it's still got buds and blooms, then you might have to start pruning those off. But in the meantime, don't prune until you absolutely need to. And of course, mid-March is about the the optimal time to do your pruning. How much can you prune? Well, rule of thumb is you can always remove up to one-third of a plant at any one time. So... And with so gen, so that's kind of a general rule of thumb. However, hibiscus are typically very tough and very vigorous, so you can be pretty pretty mean to them. I've pruned off three quarters of them sometimes. I've taken it right down to where there's one leaf left, <laughs> as long as you've got at least one bit of green. Because remember, if you prune everything off and there's no leaves and it's just brown stems, that will kill it because the plant can't actually photosynthesize and, and move forward. So you've got to always leave a, f- a couple of leaves there. Sometimes I've pruned one whole side very hard and then left the other side with the leaves. And then as the side where I've pruned starts to pop some buds and leaves, then I go in and I prune the other side really hard, taking off all the leaves, and then that eventually catches up. So there's ways to really prune them back hard without killing them. It just depends on sort of if it's something that's so big you really need to get it under control or it's just a tidy up. Well, it's getting to the point of getting out of, out of control. Yeah, yeah. They are vigorous plants, there's no question. Sometimes, too, the, they have very vigorous roots. So in March, if you're looking for something to do that sometimes can be a really positive thing for a hibiscus, while you're doing this above-ground pruning, p- pop the plant out of its pot, 
get out your pruners, prune the roots back, or sometimes even get a big steak knife and just, you know, saw back mm-hmm. on some of those roots. Wash the pot out. Don't put it into a bigger pot because you don't want the plant to get bigger. But you do want to go back into the same pot after scrubbing it. Fresh soil. Fresh the, soil, okay. Yeah, the root pruned root ball back into that same size pot with fresh soil, that is very invigorating for the plant. But of course, it, it, it will stay more dense and compact rather than just growing big, you know, three foot long yeah, it's stems. Not, it's not dense, you know, the leaves are not, I mean, they're yeah. healthy, they're good, but yeah, yeah. the stupid thing is still setting buds. <laughs> well, well, don't complain, they're pretty. Well, I, I'm saying, but you keep me from trimming you down, I know. putting up buds. Well, and then, you know, sometimes, too, it's like saying, okay, there's a stem with no buds. All right, I'll cut that one back, Yeah. right? Yeah. And then another stem finishes with all its flowering. And then, you know, if, even if the pruning takes two, three weeks to do, at least you maximize enjoyment of the buds and you're getting your pruning done at the yeah. same time. I, I think last, I think I pruned too, too severe last season because it really didn't do anything until late, late August, early September. Yeah, remember fertilizing is appropriate in the spring and summer with the hibiscus. Lots of sun is appropriate. And as I mentioned, that fresh potting soil can also be super invigorating. Like I said, this this is almost getting to be a family member because we've been yeah. on four seasons. <laughs> I know the feeling. <laughs> the hibiscus that ate Brampton. Is. <laughs> okay, but, guys, thank you very much. Thank you, you Mary. Immensely. Thanks for calling, thank Mary. Thank you very much. Okay, bye. Uh, Joan in Brantford, good morning. Good morning. Morning. Um, I have a problem with our calla lily. Mm-hmm. Last year, it uh, didn't bloom. It uh, it was uh, green, but it didn't bloom. Hmm. So then we took the uh, the bulbs out of the pot, hmm. and they're in uh, a pail of sawdust now. Okay. And we're just wondering, uh, when we go to replant it, what size pot should we use? How many bulbs do we put in, and when do we do this? Hmm. Great questions. I would be potting those up in late February, early March. Right. Uh, depending on the size of the little tubers you're working with, I'd probably go as many as three per six-inch pot. So three little bulbs or, or tubers in each six-inch pot. Fresh right. potting soil, of course. They're a little tricky to tell which way is up because they, unlike most bulbs, they don't have a pointy, you know, pointy end oh, up. There is no yeah. point. Unless you... There's kind of a bit of a dimple, which is sort of a pointy end. But look, and you will see the little scraggly bit of roots from last year. So if you go scraggly root down, you'll have this kind of a pimple up. <laughs> and that'll be your, the right orientation on those three. And I would go, with, like I say, three per pot. Get the water thoroughly. Get them into a bright spot. Once they are going outside, when you're frost-free, put them in a spot where they'll get morning sun and afternoon shade. And I will usually bury the pot under into the garden. So it looks like the plants are actually growing in the garden as opposed to sitting above ground. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that way I find that that does seem to help with the moisture. They do like, they like a moist kind of a foresty feel uh, for their sort of best happiness. So shady, below other, you know, shrubs, kind of like an understory plant. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. That, you don't want them out in a windy spot or out in a super sunny spot. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay, fine. Okay. And so we'll do that and see what happens. And thank you very much for your help. Our pleasure. Let us know. Thank you very we much. We will. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Thanks, okay, Joan. You bet. And uh, we're going to... Mary down? That was Joan. 
Joan, yes. Yeah, I'm sorry. My That's mistake. all right. No problem at all. We had been speaking to Marianne Brampton. You're correct. Uh, and we're going to speak in a moment to Eva in Innisville. How about that? We've got a little commercial uh, break coming up right now on The Garden Show. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And uh, let's see how things are doing in Innisville. Have a chat here with Eva. Good morning, Eva. Good morning to you, too, and have a happy new year. Thank, Thank you. you. Welcome I, to the show. I uh, have a problem with my mandevelas, mm-hmm. and uh, it's, the problem is the one that I have those little bugs on it, and they're all over in the house, and it's annoying because it gets into your ear, your eyes, and oh. everywhere else. Are they like fruit flies? Well, yeah, it little black. Like it. It's fruit fly, you know. Yeah, and yeah. the last time I uh, listened to the show, mm-hmm. the gentleman was uh, <clears throat> asking the same question. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. And uh, you were telling him that he has to buy those sticky sticks. Yes. Which one I did, uh-huh. but it doesn't seem to be going away. It's still there, and that was about two weeks ago. Okay, so you bought the sticky sticks, and the, that's a, a product which comes with little plastic stakes, right? And then yellow, very sticky, almost like flypaper. Right. And you put? Did you? So you have one mandevilla or many mandevilla? I have two mandevillas, and then I put in each pot two of those sticky sticks. Okay, I was going to say you want to put several. Yeah. Okay. And do you have any other plants? Oh, yeah, I have other plants, too, but it doesn't seem to me affecting them. But the mandevelas is just trying to die out on me. <laughs> oh. Well, okay, so what I would do is go to every plant at your, in your house with yeah. the side of your hand, bang the side of the pots, or, or just, you know, pick up the pots and put them down sharply. Mm-hmm. If there are what are called fungus gnats inside yeah. the soil, you'll see a little cloud of black flies, look right. like fruit flies, right. fly up from the pot. Yeah. So identify where you have the, the fungus gnats located. Get those sticky sticks into every single pot, that at least one or two or three sticks into every pot that's got evidence of the gnats. Right. The other thing you have to do is you have to slow way down on your watering. Where you've I got did. oh you did okay good oh yeah because you told that to the gentleman yeah. too that it has to be almost dried out and yeah. then you you water it again. yeah so you're going to water thoroughly but you're going to allow the plants to dry right down between waterings mm-hmm. so the surface yeah. will be quite dry you'll feel the surface if there's sponginess in the potting soil don't water yet you know what I mean like you really want to get it as dry as you can before you water thoroughly that way you will you'll find you will kill a lot of the fungus gnats that are in the soil because the fungus will die because it's so dry in the soil. I mean, those little bugs are the, the sticky sticks picks up a whole bunch of them, and I'm changing them yeah, um, okay. on the weekly basis. Yeah, okay, good. And it's still there. Yeah, it's not an instant fix. There is no instant fix. Um, I mean, I'm just trying to think. <clears throat> Am yeah. I going to lose my plants? <laughs> Probably no. You shouldn't lose the plants. the The fungus gnats don't actually eat the plants. They strictly eat the fungus that's in the soil. So you're unlikely to lose the plants. I mean, back you know twenty years ago, uh, back when I used to work in a retail garden center, we used to sell a product that was used. It was a, a um, insecticide that people would use as a soil drench. So yeah. they would mix up the insecticide mm-hmm. and then they would water the plant with the insecticide mixed with the water. It would go through the soil and it would kill the fungus gnats that way. So uh-huh. a very quick way of getting rid of the bugs. It smelled pretty bad and many people 
you know, didn't like the smell inside their homes in the middle of winter. Of right. course, now it's all off the market. So the, those insecticides aren't even available. Right. Would it be worth, I mean, you could try a soap and water soil drench, which See, would... I did the soap, a soapy water when I took it out from outside mm-hmm. and then before I put it into the pot. Mm-hmm. And then I washed it off entirely and then I brought it in. Yeah. Okay. And it seems to me it didn't help. Right. And do you think the gnats were in the plant when it was outside, or you think this just showed up? I have a feeling up? that I brought it in from outside yeah. because it immediately it started to doing oh, okay. that, right? And then I was trying to do the sticky stick, and, yeah, yeah. and then it just doesn't seem to me working. <laughs> well, it might be worth trying this, the soap drench, soap and water, not detergent, but soap and water drench. Take the plants into the bathtub, yeah. put the plants there, and then, you know, assume don't do this when you've just watered. Make sure that they do need to be watered mm-hmm. and do a watering with soap and of course your mixture is 40 parts water to one part soap right. and just do a real thorough watering with the soapy water that will annihilate a bunch of the insects as well again will it get rid of all of them no but you will again lower the population so but you're you gonna don't take it out from the pot no leave it in the pot just do a good watering into the pot instead of straight water use soap and water yeah okay Okay, Try that. That decide. might be a, a way to, again, just lower that population. Keep the sticky sticks going, though. You know, yeah. Eva, I, I've got a, a, an idea here that maybe it could work. It could work. <laughs> you, you get over it, and, and Charlie was absolutely right. Smack the uh, pot with the side of your hand, or just the palm of your hand. But have your vacuum cleaner had. ready. Vacuum, vacuum cleaner. cleaner. Yeah, and you just... When those guys come up, boom, suck they're gone. In. Yeah, yeah. Just don't suck the plant. Yeah, <laughs> well, don't. Yeah, don't. No, don't. Don't suck the plant down. <laughs> but at last resort, it might. Be, it might work. You yeah. never know. Thanks for that, Frank. <laughs> that, okay, Eva. You take Thank care. Thank you very much. Okay. And, and you know, I don't charge. Because I love my mandevillas. Oh, yeah. well, there you are. I, I, uh, I, I give these little wondrous tips at no charge whatsoever mm-hmm. from the goodness of my heart. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it. No, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> so oh. why, have a nice day. Thank, Thank you. You, you too. So why, why do we call Frank the sous chef? The undergardener. The undergardener, yes, I don't here think I you're am. ever going to graduate I think... from that, I'm afraid to say. <laughs> oh, no, you're not. <laughs> you brag to folks that you you could love putting me down, keeping me underfoot, uh, as it were. Under. Mm. Undergardening. Yes. That's a good job for you, though. Well, now it is. And you uh, know something? Uh, sad to say, but we're coming to the end of our run here. We are. Uh, yeah. I mean, we're going to be back next week, I'm not saying... The end of our run. Oh, my God. Uh, oh my God. Right. No, Somebody no. canceled the show and I missed that. should have seen her eyes. <laughs> <laughs> no. If today's run. We will we be back yeah. next week. And, of course, you know, I just want to remind people that website, www.isa Ontario. I-S as in Sam, A, Ontario.com for a certified arborist in your area who is going to be so busy right now they can't come and help you for a couple right of months away. anyway. But James Patrick Dooley, yeah. thank you. Thank you, James. And thank you, oh, best undergardener, You're Franklin welcome, Proctor. best old gardener. <laughs> I'll see you all again <laughs> next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.